0: I want to turn your attention to our scripture, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Proverbs 3 and verse 5, and when you have it, just shout, I got it. Bless you. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine amen and i will continue in part two tonight of barns of plenty and bursting presses barns of plenty and bursting presses can we pray together lord we love you so much and we're thankful for this time together with friends and family and your word god we ask that you would share your word with us tonight in a unique and supernatural way speak to our hearts and our minds encourage us mature us and grow us and we'll be so careful to give you praise and give you glory and honor. We speak it now in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of God. Amen. Thank you for standing with us tonight. Amen. Uh, just a little recap from last week on uh, this, this subject, Barnes of Plenty and Bursting Presses. Last week I began with the concept of really giving unto the Lord is a trust issue, not so much a financial issue. Tithing is not for the rich and it's not for the poor, it's for every one. The concept and the principle of first fruits and giving unto the Lord and honoring the Lord with your substance. That concept is not a law. Does not written on the Ten Commandments. It was pre-Ten Commandments. It was pre-law. It is not a law. It is a principle. And while there are atonement for the law, there is no atonement for a principle. You either work in it or you don't work in it. You either do it or you don't do it. But there's no place in there where there is a either a repentance or forgiveness of, but it is either be involved or don't be involved. Either the principle works or the principle does not work. God uh, considers this to be very serious to him. If you read through the word of God from beginning to end, Old Testament and New Testament, the concept of tithe and the concept of offering It's repeated over and over and over and over again. It is a sacrifice, but it is also a substitute. It is a redeeming quality. The Lord told the children of Israel that when you go into the new land, when you go into Canaan, when you you go into this place, you can turn me down just a little bit, that's ringing up here. Um, He said, when you go into this new place, this this, this first city you go to. The, the first city you go to, we all know this city is Jericho. That's perfect. We, 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 we all know this first city is Jericho. This is the first city. We've preached so many messages about Jericho. We march around the walls once a day for seven days. On the seventh day, we march around seven times. And on, on that seventh time, the priests blow the trumpet and the people shout and the walls come down. A very amazing story. But if you go back pre-Jericho, God gave them instruction about Jericho. God said, when you come to Jericho, this great city that has great riches and, and great spoil, I don't want you to touch any of it. He said, once you tear the walls down and once you've conquered the city, he said, I want you to gather everything in that city. I want you to gather everything in that city, every piece of of art, every, every piece of furniture, every piece of gold, every piece of marble. He said, I want you to gather it all and I want you to pile it in a massive heap and I want you to burn it. Every bit of it, burn it. And as you burn it, it will be as a sacrifice unto me. That's He said, Jericho's mine. And he said, now if you give me the first city, I will give you Every city after that I'll give you every house I'll give you every field I'll give you every vineyard I'll give you every 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 piece of cattle i'll give you everything if you give me the first city that the first fruit if you give me that and you burn it and i I know that when you burn it you're just going to be like man what a waste what a waste of just Burning this and, and it not going towards anything. Couldn't we do so much with all these chariots? Couldn't we do so much with all this gold? Couldn't we do so much with all this beautiful linen? And couldn't we do so much with all this instrumentation and all this furniture? Look look what we could do. We could, we could possibly just stay here and, and, and just use this city for our own. Look, look, how, look how amazing it all is. And we're just going to burn it and it's just going to disappear into the air and that's it? And, and listen, millions of people didn't have a problem with that. Millions of them had no problem with that. They were, Joshua told them, this is the Lord's. This city's the Lord's. It is a sacrifice for us, but it's also a substitute. It's a substitute for every city that's next. We redeem the next thing by the first thing. Let me say that again. We redeem everything else with this, this is our sacrifice and this is our substitute. It's a stand in for everything else. We don't have to give God nothing else past this if we will give God this. And millions of people were cool with that, except one dude, one guy. One guy saw a piece of furniture, saw a piece of gold and he saw some purple linen and it was just too much. He was just at the right place at the right time. Nobody saw him take it. Nobody saw him do it. He was just, it was just, it was a perfect circumstance. And he thought, you know what? This is, this will be fine. You know, it's not, it's not a whole lot. I mean, look at this giant heap. I mean, can you imagine how big this fire was? I mean, think about this. You have a city of maybe possibly 100 to 200,000 people living in this city. Can you imagine the, the size of this fire? And he's thinking, it's, it's so small, it's, it's insignificant. It's just, a, it's just a piece of linen and a couple little trinkets. I'll take it and I'll, you know, I'll hide it in my tent. And, you know, later on, later on, later on, later on, I'll just, I'll be like, hey, I just found this. You know, I'll just use it to my advantage some way. Well, that was the first city. The next city is a place called Ai. Ai, that's how you spell it, Ai. They go to Ai. And and Joshua is expecting God to do what he did at Jericho. And he he gets out there. They draw the swords. AI comes out to fight them. And they're like, you have no clue, buddy. God's on our side. And we are about to stomp a mud hole in you. And here comes little AI out. And AI destroys them. They retreat in fear. And they're like, what in the world? We thought this was a little old town. These guys are bad to the bone. Who, who knew AI had so much power? Who knew AI had so much skill? We, we thought that the next city would be as easy as this city. I mean, all we, we didn't even swing a sword in the first city. We just marched around it and sang a song. Everybody screamed, ah, and we won. That's all we did. We blew some trumpets and we screamed and God gave us the battle. That was super cool. We thought the next city was going to be just as easy. But they were destroyed because of it. They went to Ai and they couldn't they couldn't understand why Ai was whooping them. So 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 Joshua goes to the Lord says, "Lord, help me, Lord. I don't understand what you're doing here because you told us that if we gave you Jericho, you'd give us all the other cities and Man, I'm pretty sure I was there for the bonfire, and we burned all that stuff, and we gave it to you. And now I, just don't, I don't understand why, we're, why this little old town, this little old city, is so difficult for us to, to overtake. And the Lord said, it's because there's sin in the camp. Sin in the camp? Man, come on, there's a couple million people. Of course there's sin in the camp i would be like somebody come to me and say, Pastor Chavis, I want to prophesy to you. Somebody in your church is sinning. <laughs> you don't say. Well, thanks, Dr. Sherlock. I appreciate that. Of course. They're sin to the camp. What do you mean they're sin in the camp? Of course they're sin to the camp. It's a couple million people. Absolutely sin in the camp. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about just sin, sin. He's talking about there's somebody in this camp that sinned against me. There's somebody in this camp that's got my stuff. That's my stuff. I said it was mine. And so because I, you did not give me 100% of the first fruits, I can't give you any of the next. Are you telling me that, a, that cursing the 10th will curse the 90? He said, yeah, the 90 is a mess for you. The, you struggle with the 90 because you didn't really fully give me the 10. If you would have fully given me the 10, I would have given you all the 90 with no problem at all. But because you struggled with Jericho, now you're going to struggle with every city after that. You'll fight under your own power. You'll fight under your own conscience. You'll fight under your own ability. And I will not help you like I helped you before. Because there's sin in the camp. He said, I want you to bring all the people before me and I want you to interrogate them until you find out who did it so he does he brings them all in he interrogates them and finally one one man says man, come on man I took a robe and when, when 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 Joshua went to the Lord and said hey we found the guy what should we do with him now now this is Old Testament so so bear with me now he's he, Joshua goes to the Lord he says Lord we found the guy who took it we found the stuff that he took What should we do with him? And the Lord said, I require him now. All I wanted was the city, but because he took my stuff, now I want him, I want his wife, and I want his children. They will be the sacrifice for what they took. That's a sad story about a man that lost his life because he robbed God. But it's also a story of a people who were affected by one person who would not give God what was his. And it's a story of the redeeming quality of the 10th. The Lord said, when you go into this new land, the first thing you come to, that's mine. It's mine. And, And if you give me mine, I'll bless the rest. It is a sacrifice. It is a substitute. It is a redeeming quality. Can I tell you that when you receive your check and you pay everybody else and you pay all the other bills and trust me, I know it's easy to do that and you you give everybody everything they have and when you realize at the end of the day you don't have enough to give to God what he should have, can I tell you that you are up against a principle that cannot be moved? That principle is not going to budge for you. That principle is not going to budge for your budget. That principle don't budge. It doesn't move. I can't move it for you. We can't pray our way in it. We can't pray our way out of it. It's not a law. It's not not a law that that we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for this thing. That that principle is there and we cannot budget. The only thing that we can do is say, Lord, I make covenant that I'm doing it from now on and I get involved in the principle again. I get involved in the principle because the principle only works if I'm involved in it. This, this concept of tithe is a Hebrew word, masir, M-A-A-S-E-R, masir, and it." it is interpreted 10%, 10th, 10%. And if you, if you if you, look at that word 10th and you go through the Bible, you'll see that God really likes that word 10th. The 10th is in that Bible a whole lot. If you just do a word search on your Bible app on your iPad or iPhone and you type in 10th and hit search, you're gonna see that word throughout the scripture numerous times, hundreds of times, the 10th. It was the 10th. Beginning of months in Exodus 12, when the Lord told him, he said, listen, on the 10th day of this month, I want you to, I want every man to bring in a lamb and I want you to offer that lamb. It was the 10th day of the first month. And I want you to offer that lamb and that lamb, what was that lamb? That lamb was a sacrifice, right? But it was also a substitute. Because the death angel wasn't coming for lambs. The death angel was coming for people. Amen? And that lamb took the place of everybody in that house. And so the the lamb was a sacrifice and the lamb was the substitute and the lamb was a redeemer. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of all living. And Jesus said this. He said, I am the firstfruits. So Jesus was the Sacrifice and Jesus was the substitute, and Jesus was the redeeming quality. It was the tenth day of the first month, and then in Leviticus 23, we see that he said, Listen, on the tenth day of the seventh month, that's the day of atonement, and it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall Afflict your souls and you offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord and you shall do no work in that day for it is the day of atonement that was the 10th day of the 7th month. And even in Numbers chapter 18 uh, in verse twenty twenty one, 21, the Lord said unto Aaron, he said, Aaron, thou shalt have no inheritance in the land. You don't, you don't have anything, uh, Aaron. Neither shall thou have any part among them. I, I am thy part. And thine inheritance among the children of Israel, you don't you don't get no land, you don't own any cattle, you you have no inheritance, Levi. He said, and behold, in verse twenty one, I have given the children of Levi, Levi all the tenth of Israel for an inheritance, for you are the one that does the service and you serve, and even the service of the tabernacle in the congregation. He said, you don't, you don't get any land, you don't, you don't get any substance, you don't have on, no inheritance, but the tent of the people will keep the priest in service. This is what he meant, he said, he said make sure that there's meat in my house. Because without the priest, we can have no service. We need, we need meat in the house so that the priest can function in the service. And I'm, I'm talking about a spiritual thing here more than I'm talking about you paying my salary, trust me. It was a principle that God used. It was a principle that God established way back in Genesis that God will use now way up in numbers to make sure that there is meat in his house. Because the priest had no lambs. So where did they get the lambs from? From every man who would give a tenth of his lamb. And the first lamb he received, he would give it. And that's where they got the sacrifice from. The the priests didn't raise; they weren't farmers. They didn't they didn't raise any fruits. They didn't raise any any wheat. They had no bread. And so when the people would give of the tithe, there would be bread in the house. There would be bread at the table of showbread. They didn't have any bullocks. They didn't have any oxen. They didn't. There was no barns on the backside of the Levite's house. But when people would give of the tenth, they would take those animals and they would sacrifice unto the Lord. It was more than just. Paying bills—it was more than just making sure that the lights were kept on, but it was—it was an ebb and flow of service unto the Lord, and the Lord used this tenth to make sure that the house of God and the people of God stayed in rhythm. That there would be meat in His house. I want to show you something that I read this week in Genesis 28. Um, if you have your Bible, you can read it with me. I think it's—I uh, think it's a really really interesting concept and I'm going to try to pull some things out of it in Genesis 28, uh, it's a very familiar scripture. Uh, if, you, if you listen close enough you'll, you'll, you'll know, hey I've, I've heard about this before. Uh, Genesis 28 beginning in verse 12, the Bible says he dreamed a dream and this is talking of Jacob and behold a ladder. anybody ever heard of Jacob's ladder? Yeah and so th- th- this is the story. the Bible says he dreamed a dream and behold a ladder. Uh, set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascended and descended on it, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad the west and the east and the north and the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Then behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all thy places, whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee to thee of. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it. Not, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, it's the house of God. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first And Jacob vowed a vow. Here you go, verse 20. Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. It's an amazing moment. It's not only an amazing moment for Jacob, it is an amazing moment for us. We're blessed in this blessing. We're here tonight because of this blessing. We are the seed of Abraham, the branch of Jacob. We're, We're sitting in this room tonight because of this blessing, because of this moment. When God came down and told Jacob, Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going I'm to I'm honor you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm, your seed will be like the sands of the sea. I'm going to give it to you, Jacob. And Jacob wakes up from his, from his, from his dream. He, he builds an altar. He pours oil on the altar. And he begins to vow. Here's his vow. He said, God, if you'll be with me and you'll give me all these things that you've said, if you'll do all these things that you'll do, he said, I will Bless you like you've blessed me. If God will do it, I'll do it. Let me say that again, God, because I want you to get what I'm saying. If God will do it, I'll do it. You see, many of us are, we, we, we do it and then we, and then we wait. And, 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 we're, and, and we're judging God. But I know that God is able, and I know that God will. And if God will do it, then I will do it. He said, Lord, if you'll bless me and you'll give to me, everything you give to me, I'll give back a tenth. This is a vow. This is a promise. He's promising God. When's the last time you sat down and you prayed to God and you said, God, as much as you bless me, I don't care how much it is, Lord, I promise you now I'll give you a tenth of everything that you bless me with. A vow, a vow. What's amazing is this, is that's verse, that's chapter 28 of Genesis. In chapter 29, the first thing that happens in 29, Jacob meets a man named Laban. Oh, hallelujah. He said, Lord, if you bless me, I'll bless you. I I promise you, Lord, everything you give me I'm going to give you 10% of everything you give me. That's a vow. That's a promise, Lord. Whatever, whatever you bless me with, I'm going to bless you with. Whatever you put in my hand, I promise you that a tenth of it will be yours. My promise to you, Lord, is that if you put it in my hands, I'm going to give a tenth back to you. No questions asked. It's already a deal. If the contract is signed. I vow a vow. And the next thing that happens in Jacob's life is he meets Laban. Not only does he meet Laban, but he meets Rachel. And Rachel is beautiful. I'm talking drop dead gorgeous. And he says to Laban, he said, Laban, listen, I would really like to marry Rachel. I really like Rachel. She's beautiful. Laban said, listen, I'd really like for you to marry her. He said, but I need a real good shepherd right now. Right now in this season of my life, I don't need a son-in-law, I need a shepherd. So I tell you what, you work for me for seven years and I'll give you Rachel. He says, no problem. And he begins to work for Laban. She's, she's worth seven years. She's worth it. And he starts working. He starts working. And as he's working with those sheep, he's realizing, man, none of this is really mine. This is all Laban's. I mean, I'm, I'm eating and sleeping. I got a roof over my head, but none of this is mine. It's all Laban's. And the Lord begins to deal with Jacob, and he says, do this. And Jacob said, you know what, Laban, I'll tell you what. He said, since I'm helping you out here and I'm, I'm doing all this work for you, how about we make a deal? Every lamb that is born that has spots, that'll be, that'll be my lamb. And all the, all the clean ones that have no spots, those, those can be yours. And Laban said, deal, man. That's fine. That's all you want for, for payment, for watching my sheep? I got you. That, that, that's good. Yeah. And the Bible says that, that Jacob put together a little plan, and he, he, would, he would wait for the, for the lambs to be mating, and he would put sticks in front of them. Read it in the Bible. There's some crazy stuff. But the Lord showed him. And, he, and he, he put sticks in front of him and every lamb that was born out of there had spots on him. Still today, a lamb with spots is considered Jacob's lamb. To, to this day, right now. You can, you can go right now and buy a Jacob's lamb. It's a lamb with spots. And all of a sudden, most of the lambs born into Laban's herds got spots on them. And the Bible says that pretty soon, Jacob's herd. Was almost the size of Laban's hurt. Yeah. And the whole time, Jacob is honoring God with the tenth. He's honoring God with that tenth. Oh, hallelujah. He honors God with the tenth. He's blessing God with the tenth. He's making the sacrifice with the tenth. And the whole time that's happening, Laban's getting upset with him. Because Laban's realizing, I feel like I got played. Something ain't right here. All my time of being a sheep herder, I ain't had but five or six spotted sheep. I promised Jacob the spotted lambs, and every lamb that comes out is spotted. Something ain't adding up. I don't know how he's doing it, but something's wrong. And so when it comes time for Jacob to receive Rachel as his seven-year reward, Laban tries to play the same trick on him that he's playing on him. And somehow messes him up. I don't know how he did it, but somehow Laban was able to pull it off. I don't know how he did it. The Bible says that Jacob spent all night with Leah and thought it was Rachel. Laban was slick. I don't know how he pulled it off. But Laban got Rachel, got got Leah married off first. And when the Bible says, when Jacob woke up in the morning, and then the the Bible says this, and then the morning it was Leah. How much did you drink at your wedding procession, sir? And what he thought was a curse. See, he vowed a vow. He said, Lord, whatever you give me, I'll give you a tenth of it. The Lord said, okay, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. But, but what you don't understand is this blessing is going to hurt. I'm going to make you one of the richest men in the world, not only with, with, with possessions, but also with promise. And, and what Jacob thought was a curse was a blessing. And the Bible said that Leah... When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened up her womb. And Jacob and Leah couldn't hardly be in the same room and she was pregnant. Facts, read it in your Bible. The Bible said that the Lord opened up her womb and she began to produce. Benjamin and Reuben and Levi and Judah. Simeon, Benjamin was Rachel's, for those of you out, for all you uh, Nazis out there watching me. (laughs) All the tribes of Israel was, all the tribes of Israel was in what he didn't want. All the tribes of Israel, and not only all the tribes of Israel, but also the birthplace of Jesus Christ himself, the tribe of Judah. All came out of Leah, but he had vowed a vow. What he thought, what Jacob thought was his worst moment was really his best moment. He worked seven more years, and yes, he got Rachel. He finally got what he wanted. It took him 14 years to get her, but he got her. But in the whole process of those 14 years, while he was focused on getting Rachel, he maybe he realized that maybe he didn't. But when he looked around, he had become unbelievably wealthy. At the end of the 14 years, when he finally got Rachel's hand in marriage, not only did he have Rachel's hand in marriage, but he had more money, more substance, more sheep, more herds, more possessions than you could shake a stick at. Listen, in Genesis 28, for all intents and purposes, we know that Jacob was running from his father's house and running from the hand of Esau. And we know almost for a fact that the only thing that Jacob had was the clothes on his back and a walking stick. That's Genesis 28. But when he had nothing, he vowed a vow. I said, when he had nothing, he vowed a vow. Don't wait too late to vow a vow. Listen, if God can't trust you with that $8 an hour job right now, don't think he's gonna trust you as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. (laughs) Jacob didn't have anything. He didn't have Rachel, he didn't have Leah, he didn't have herds, he didn't have nothing. But he vowed a vow in the middle of the desert with no money in his pocket and no possessions to his name. He vowed a vow. He said, Lord, if you'll give it to me, I promise you, I'll give you back a tenth. I'm just saying to somebody in the house, maybe it's time to vow a vow. Same Pastor if I vowed a vow right now, the Lord would laugh at me because I ain't got nothing. No, that's what he wants. Because if you'll vow a vow now, if you'll, be, if you'll be wise over the little things you have, God said, I'll make you ruler over the great things. Jacob vowed a vow with nothing to give. He was broke, busted, and disgusted. He didn't have anything, but he made God a promise. And in the next couple chapters of his life, he goes from having nothing 14 years later, 14 years later, to being one of the most richest men on the planet. Because he vowed a vow. It was a promise that he kept. He said, Lord, if you give it to me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And God believed him. God believed him. And he poured unto Jacob such a mighty, mighty outpouring into his life. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Jacob went through hard times. Jacob was swindled. Jacob was done wrong. But everything that happened in Jacob's life was working towards a promise. To the point of this, and I'll throw this in tonight for free. When Jacob was on his deathbed and he was dying, he told his sons before he died, he said, when I die, do me a favor and bury me with Leah. Don't bury me with Rachel. That thing that I wanted so bad, that thing I thought was so beautiful, so perfect, I don't. My my prayer is not that you would bury me with that because I realize my greatest joy came out of the ugly thing in my life. all, All that I am it, it shaped me, it made me, this, this horrible moment in my life. I was, I was done wrong, I was betrayed, and I was swindled. But, but when I die, bury me with that, because that did more for me than all the glamour and glitz that I thought I wanted. Yeah. I thought, I thought I wanted all that. I thought I wanted the neon lights. I thought I wanted because it looked pretty and all my friends had one and I thought I wanted it. But I realized that this thing here in my life that I didn't want, that I worked so hard for, the thing that I was embarrassed by, that was the thing that molded me. That was the thing that made me. That was the thing that gave unto me my greatest joy in life was the thing that I did not think that I wanted. Jacob vowed a vow. He vowed a vow. And that vow pushed him out of his father's home. That vow pushed him into Laban's arms. That vow pushed him into Leah, pushed him into Rachel, pushed him into his sons, pushed him into Joseph. Joseph pushed into Egypt. Egypt swallowed up the people of Israel. And what, what, what looked like brokenness, what looked like destruction, God was working the whole time. And when they came out of tragedy, they were multiplied. When they came out of brokenness, they were well. Because sometimes, and I need you to hear me tonight. It's the, it's the crux of my message tonight, my, my, this portion of my teaching on giving and tithing and offering. It, <clears throat> the point to all of this is sometimes it's not what it looks like. Your journey may not be like everybody else's. And what we think is riches sometimes is not riches. And what we think is is promotion is sometimes not promotion. And sometimes what we think is pain is not pain. Sometimes pain is promotion. Sometimes loss is great. Sometimes betrayal is teaching us lessons that we cannot learn anywhere else. Yeah. Sometimes what it feels like we're emptying out ourselves, we're really just planting seeds in fertile ground. When the seed falls from the hand of the sower, it looks like nothing. dust falling from my hands it's nothing it has no power but unless the seed fall to the ground and die it has no power it must be sown it must be sown it must release God doesn't work like we work God's seasons are not our seasons God's timing is not our timing It doesn't always look like everybody else's journey. We're fooled today. We're fooled with social media. We're fooled with books and we're fooled with Hollywood. And we're fooled. We're fooled to think it looks like this. This is how it works. This is how it operates. This is right. This is wrong. This is how it should be. And then here comes God into our life, messing up our whole world, shaking us on every end, burning us on both ends of the candle. And we think, well, I must have done something wrong. But God's saying, no, hold on, baby. Hold on. Just just stick it out because I'm doing something with you I don't do with a lot of people. Your journey may look different, your pain may be different, your circumstance may be different, but God said if you vow to vow, if you vow to vow, I'm going to take you on a journey that may not look like everybody else's journey. But I promise you, one day you'll wake up and look around and say, man, I got so much, I got more than I can shake a stick at. My barns are plenty and my presses are bursting at the seams. But the way I got here... It's just a whole different story. It doesn't fit into your dictionary. It doesn't fit into the blueprint of the American dream. Sometimes God brings us through pain and suffering and loss and betrayal and hurt to get us to where he wants us, not where we want us. To where he wants us. I'm sure that Jacob would have wrote his story a lot different. I'm sure Jacob would have said, "Lord, this would be better. No, that'd be better. I, you know what? I don't want to work seven years. You know, Lord, I, I, I'd rather not have to do this. I'd rather not have to go through this. I'd rather, I'd rather not lose a son in such a tragic way. I'd rather not be." Hurt in this way. I'd rather not do that. I'd I'd rather just find just an easy path, Lord, right on to success. But the Lord said, no, 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 you vowed a vow. And now I'm going to give you more than you ever thought you'd have. But it ain't going to look like everybody else's story looks. It ain't going to be easy. Because God wants to fill our hearts more than he wants to fill our pockets. God wants to cultivate your character. He wants to cultivate your character more than he wants to cultivate how much money you have in the bank. Can can, can you hear me tonight? that 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 when we 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 give God out of the abundance and 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 yes we give God time and we give God energy and we give God our gifting and 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 we give God our abilities and yes we give God our money as well but God is developing us he's not developing a bank account he's not developing a 401k God's not developing what's happening in the stock market he's developing you as a human he's developing you as a minister he's developing you as a human he's working on you He ain't working on your portfolio. He's working on you. And what Jacob ends up with is something beautiful and amazing. But the way God goes about it, he's not working on Jacob's portfolio. He's working on Jacob's pride. He's working on Jacob's character. He's working on Jacob's integrity. He's working on Jacob. Because out of Jacob, is going to come a great people. I want you to know that barns of plenty and bursting presses is more than just money but it's character it's life it's joy it's happiness it's contentment sometimes the most the most beautiful thing you can have is contentment i'm content i love my life i love my family i love what i'm doing I don't got a ton of money in the bank, but I'm content because I know I'm in God's will. And brothers and sisters, there ain't a dollar bill amount in this world that can buy contentment. Nothing. there, nothing. There, there's no check you can write that buys peace. No, no, I'm I'm in the will of God and my and my barns are plenty and my bursting presses is more than 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 my portfolio and my 401k and my retirement package But as you know what I'm happy with what I have and man I love God and I love people and people love me and 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 I am satisfied With what I have and I lay my head on my pillow at night and I sleep like a baby because I know God's got me listen I know millionaires that don't sleep good. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I know wealthy people that have to take numerous pills at night to fall asleep. Because they got money, but they don't have contentment. They have no peace. They have no joy. I know multimillionaires that die alone because no family member would come within a mile of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a bunch of money, but you didn't have no character. God's not developing Jacob's portfolio. He's developing Jacob's character. He's working on Jacob. He's working on you. He's working on me. And so when the seed falls from my hand, I have to remember that. And that's what he meant in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm finishing tonight with this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8. He says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, watch the scripture, every man according as he purposeth in his heart Sowing is a heart issue. Sowing is a heart issue. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. This verse right here is why I believe, just just read this verse with me and, and go with me here for a second. This verse right here is why I believe that tithing and offering Is not a part of the law it's a principle because if God made it part of the law it would be necessity there's no way around it but he says I want you to give not grudgingly and not of necessity because I love a cheerful giver God loves someone who's giving out of honor and respect and out of love more than he would want someone to give because man I just got to I got to give this if I don't give this my life's gonna be in shambles of. if I don't give this God's gonna hate me you know I don't I don't I don't not I miss my tithe and then I go bankrupt God's not a man that he should act that way that's what that's what we do to people that's what we do to people when they don't do what we want them to do We exact vengeance. God doesn't exact vengeance. Yeah. God God doesn't do that to us. He ain't like us. He's not like us. But we got people that give because they're terrified that something might break on their car. They they give because they're terrified they don't want to lose their house. And I want to make sure I got my tithing offering in because I want my kids to stay healthy. Where's Where's that in the Bible? That's not what God wants. God wants you to give because you love him. God wants you to have a smile on your face and say, you know what, I'm giving because I vowed a vow. Lord, if you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. I'll give you a tenth of what you give to me. Every time, no questions asked, and I'm going to give it to you first before I pay the water bill, before I pay the light bill, before I I take care of that Netflix, before I do it. Lord, you're going to get it first. Because I vowed a vow. If you give it to me, Lord, I'll give you The 10th, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's a $5 an hour paycheck or a $50,000 a month paycheck. I'm giving it to you, Lord, because I vowed a vow. I vowed a vow. That's why if you're sitting in this room right here today, And you are a tithe payer and you pay tithe and you give an offering and you're struggling financially or you're struggling in your life can I tell you that that's God working on your character because he ain't worried about your portfolio if if you're sitting here right now and you know you've been faithful and you've been going through you need to stop judging God like he's one of us God ain't mad at you and God ain't getting back at you Because you didn't do something that he wants you to do. He's not petty. He's not a child. He's God and he's sovereign. He's probably just working on you. He's probably trying to get a little bit of that pride out of you. He's probably trying to teach you some things. He's probably trying to give you a little patience. He's working on your character. Ain't nobody running owls Except Christy and Brittany in the back. They're making their way around. Sometimes me and you go through things, and we almost do it as a cop out to say, Well, you know, I'm just going to try to get myself right so all this will go away. God, God might not be wanting to go away. God might be wanting you to, to take a step back and say, Okay, what is it that God's showing me right now? What, what's God working on me about? Because I guarantee you, if you'll do that, if you'll make that assessment, you'll see something. You know what? That's right. Maybe God's working this out of me. Maybe God's working that out of me. And you know what? Maybe I'm going through this because I'm an idiot over here. And and, and I need to learn. It's It's not always about God's mad at you. Or God's getting you back. Stop being disrespectful to God and comparing him to us. He's not like us. And I'm finishing with here. He said, every man according to the purpose of his heart, let him give not grudgingly or necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Here, the last verse. And God is able to make all, make all grace abound towards you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That's all, always, all, all, every. All, always, all, all, every. I like those kind of words when God's saying them. When he says all, guess what God means in the Greek and in Hebrew? All. He said, if you'll give cheerfully and if you you will sow bountifully, as God, would, as God would have put in your heart, what, what God put in your heart to give, and you give, not out of, not, out of, not grudgingly, and not out of necessity, but out of a cheerful heart, God said, "I'll make all grace abound unto you. that ye always having all sufficiency in all things is sufficient. Am I, am I a multi-millionaire? Absolutely not. But what I have is sufficient. It's sufficient to get me through what I'm getting through. Yeah, it's sufficient. God said, I'm going to make sure you, you're sufficient in all things that you may abound to every good work. All grace, always having all things that you may abound to every all, always, all, all, every. That's the way God talks. We talk in phrases like some, maybe, sometimes, once in a while. That's our vocabulary. God talks like this all, always, all, all, every. We say, maybe, Lord, some, a little, just just enough. God says, all, always, all, all, every. That's his vocabulary. He don't cut corners, and he don't hold back. And he's looking for people that won't cut corners and won't hold back. When we start talking like that, Lord, I give you all, always, all the time, all I have, every time. <laughs> when we start talking that way, all, always, all, all, every. God says, I like that kind of talk. Because all I've I've ever wanted is all. All I've ever asked for is all. That means you don't have to do inventory. See how much you got. Just give me all. Because if you'll submit with all you have, I won't have to worry about the 10th. That's not even a problem. Because you've already submitted your heart to me. And as a man purposeth in his heart. Would you stand with me tonight? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.